Fear can make us really selfish and self-consumed because all we're doing is looking at that fear. We're overcome by that fear, and so everything revolves around that fear. And so selfishness, unfortunately, is a side effect of fear if we allow ourselves to live in fear. Initial response of fear isn't necessarily bad because it can caution us, but if we choose to live in fear after that, then it causes us to be very selfish. Well, and if you feel like I'm under attack, I'm in danger, I'm not thinking or caring about anyone else. Sometimes the fear makes us very, very selfish people. And in marriage, if you're married to someone who has a lot of fears, they're going to be selfish and not very concerned with your well-being because they're consumed with their own fears. Hi friends, this is The Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Our story is not perfect, our marriage is not perfect, but thankfully, our God is perfect. Well, howdy, welcome back to The Real Marriage Podcast. Uh, Mark and Grace Driscoll here, and today we wanna juxtapose living in fear versus living from faith. And the big idea is that ultimately, there are seasons in every marriage where you got some big decisions to make. And sometimes it's because you're feeling a sense of God leading you. And sometimes the circumstances are such that you don't have a choice. Things are changing and you got to figure out what to do. But the problem is you can't see the future. You don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to get a new job or you don't have a job and you got to figure out a career path. Maybe you're trying to decide, is this a good time for kids? Lots of big decisions. How do we educate the kids? Where do we go to church? Is it time to leave our church? Uh, All of these issues. Mm -hmm. And some seasons are really hard and the fear is ramped up because all of the decisions it feels like culminate at once. So sometimes it's hard enough when you got one decision after another, but when everything is together. So we had a season like that some years ago. Um, I don't want to get too into the details, but maybe just in generalities, explain some of the complex variables that we were trying to deal with as a couple. And we know that a divided, Jesus says a house divided against itself can't stand. So we're trying to figure out, okay, God, we got to get on the same page and we got to row in the same boat and we got to move forward. But man alive, we're not sure what that is. Yeah, and I think it's easy to just pivot to fear when the unknown is all around you and just fear, fear, fear. And what do we do? And not have any reason or plan plan or anything in front of you. And so for us, um, we really had to, after some of those initial fear moments, um, really ask the Lord for a word. We need to hear from you, Lord. Whatever that looks like, we, we need to hear. And we need to know clearly what you're asking in this season because we we have no clue, zero clue on all levels. And so we did. God gave us a word and he gave us the same word. And so in that, that was confirmation that he was listening and he had a plan. And so, okay, we know you are with us, Lord. We know you're wanting to speak to us. So what does this look like? So after that initial revealing to us from the Lord, then he started to put one light in front of us, one door in front of us to walk through at a time. And just to give context, it was, okay, been working a job doing a ministry for 18 years. Do we stay or go? Mm-hmm. Board asked us to stay. Circumstances made that very hard. If we stay, what happens to our family? Because we were in a very difficult, complicated situation with five kids Mm -hmm. that included some very real safety issues, even at our own house. Mm 
Um, if we go, where do we go? If we go, where do we go? And how do we move five how do kids? We start again. Start again in your mid forties without a you know without a job or a clue of what you're doing. And then we had kids in elementary, middle school, high school, and college. Mm-hmm. So how do we get? How do we not lose any of the? If if we stay, how do we have a viable life under really difficult circumstances? If we go, where do we go? How do we go? And how do we not have one of the five kids fall off the cliff in the middle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how do you pay for it? And I mean, every stressor was a part of the <laughs> situation at that time. And what do I do for a job? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, just, and, and then also too, we, if we left, we were leaving all extended all family. family. Every single family member. Extended. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, all extended family and friends. And you would live there for? 45 years. <laughs> your whole life. Yeah. Your whole life. And your dad pastored a church there. Mm-hmm. And I lived there since I was a little boy. It was the only place that I knew and our families were there. So I was like, oh boy. And the fears were, if we stay, there's things to be afraid of. If we go, there's things to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. If nothing changes, there's things to be afraid of. If everything changes, there's things to be afraid of. So it's like peril on every end. Yes. It felt like somebody handed you a grenade and said, hey, just juggle this indefinitely. You know, like, <laughs> you know this could end very badly. Yes. And so what were some of the major fears that you were struggling with or having to work through? I was more fearful for the kids, um, both their emotional safety, physical safety. School, sports, friends. All the practical logistics of parenting. Um, What would that look like if we were to go somewhere else? Um, Because I only knew everything in the surroundings we were in. I didn't know much about other areas. And so what would that even look like? How would I be a mom in those situations? I didn't fear as much the financial because I'd seen God provide in crazy ways my whole life. And so, and I know you bear that burden. So that was different for you. Um, So that wasn't as much of a stress, but the kids stuff and our marriage, how is our marriage going to hold? How can we be unified during this season when all these decisions are huge, they're vital decisions and how we pivot makes a difference for the second half of our life. It literally felt like in our mid-40s, we were making decisions for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. What city are we going to live in? What job are we going to have? Where are we going to attend church? Who are we going to do life with? Where will our kids go to school, including college? Uh, And then also, like, who are they going to marry? And where are our grandkids going to be born? And can we still minister to people we love? It was rough. And there were days that you were feeling pretty good. I was not doing so good. And then it felt like the next day, um, we'd change places. Mm -hmm. And so we sort of carried each other along. And there was a a counselor, pastor friend that we met with through that season who remains a a pastor to us and a spiritual father. And he he reminded us of the Psalms where it says, thy thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light Mm -hmm. into my path. And he said, that's a lantern, not a high beam. (laughs) (laughs) And I would really love it if the Lord gave me a high beam. Let me see the next 20 years and then reverse engineer and architect a design plan. Instead, it's like, get up today and do the right thing. And then tomorrow, get up and do it again. All you're going to see is today. Yeah, That's all you're going to see. And so in that, we even disagreed on the decision we should make and what we should do. So we had the potential of great division in our home because we're both processing different fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go to research and trying to figure out a plan And I just sit there going, Lord, what do you want us to do? I don't know what to do. And and my fears would come in and the fear of possibly leaving a place that I had grown up at 
you know, and not knowing what this looked like for my kids, it was it was pretty overwhelming in moments. Well, and people that we loved and mm-hmm. people that we wanted to care for and people that we were concerned about. Yeah, they were like family to us. Yeah, like extended mm-hmm. family. And so for us, we were in a season of, and I think sometimes fear reveals who and what we love the most. Yeah. That our greatest fears tend to reveal our deepest affections. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really, really love your kids, a lot of your fears are going to be around your kids. Mm -hmm. If you really love your spouse, a lot of your fears are going to be around your spouse. Um, And so, you know, on this issue of fear, what's kind of fascinating is fear didn't come into existence until sin entered the world. The first person to express fear in the history of humanity was Adam in Genesis 3.10. After he sinned, God shows up, basically asks, hey, what's going on, son? And he says, I was afraid. It's, a, it's amazing, you think about the world that we live in, imagine a world that had no fear. There was no one and nothing to fear. That was the world that God made. Once sin enters the world, fear happens. And that fear divides our first parents at their moment of crisis and greatest need. And our concern was, man, is our fear is gonna divide us mm-hmm. as a husband and wife in our moment of greatest need? Uh, let's talk a little bit about fear. Second uh, Timothy 1.7, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Part of our context for this season's episodes for the podcast is spiritual warfare. How is fear, according to Timothy, for 2 Timothy 1.7, how is it really behind it is the spirit of fear? It's demonic, right? Yeah. That sometimes Satan will take a fear and he'll send a spirit of fear to cause us to have exacerbated, sometimes even irrational, hypersensitive fear. This leads to anxiety, depression, insomnia. Uh, This is where people really are in a fight or flight cycle uh, because a a demonic spirit is behind the fear. It's an opposite reaction to peace. God gives us a spirit of peace and power and love and self-control, it says here in the 2 Timothy verse. So if we're experiencing fear, it's not from the Holy Spirit. And so everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. So God creates um, a spirit, it says here, of power, love, and self-control. Satan's counterfeit is a demonic spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. And 1 John says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Just like uh, the Holy Spirit casts out a demon, um, the uh, spirit of God casts out the spirit of fear. And so if somebody's afraid, you can't just look at them and say, hey, don't be afraid. (laughs) You got to say, you need the presence of the Holy Spirit because the fear is bigger than you, but the spirit is bigger than the spirit of fear. So there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment. It's going to hurt. We're going to suffer. Something bad is going to happen. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so let's talk a little bit about fear versus faith. And for married couples, if we choose fear, we're inviting demonic torment. If we choose faith, we're inviting the Holy Spirit. Maybe you do, I think you've got on your list there, a couple of things, honey, to share, and I'll jump in and cover the rest after you. Yeah, fear can make us really selfish and self-consumed because all we're doing is looking at that fear. We're overcome by that fear, and so everything revolves around that fear. And so selfishness, unfortunately, is a side effect of fear if we allow ourselves to live in fear. Initial response of fear isn't necessarily bad. 
because it can caution us. But if we choose to live in fear after that, then it causes us to be very selfish. Well, and if you feel like I'm under attack, I'm in danger, I'm not thinking or caring about anyone else. Right. And that may not even be reality. That that may be an illusion. That may be a demonic mirage that we're really not in harm's way. Uh, but it means if I am consumed with myself, I can't be concerned for you. Yeah. Sometimes the fear makes us very, very selfish people. And in marriage, if you're married to someone who has a lot of fears, they're going to be selfish and not very concerned with your well-being because they're consumed with their own fears. Another one is that fear causes us to lose touch with reality. If we allow fear to become layered with more fears, uh, then we're just driven by our emotions. And if you think about it, I mean, Jesus had tons of reasons to fear. He had reasons to fear for his life um, with people that would come after him and criticize him. He had reasons to be feared, fearful on the cross. He was obviously tormented and beaten and harmed, but he didn't respond out of um, his emotions in that as far as letting that control, he still moved forward with the plan for his life because he loved us so much. And so fear, he didn't lose touch with reality of the plan that God had for his life. He allowed just that plan to go through and didn't, didn't lose touch with the reality. So for women, just practically, how many women really are driven or motivated by fear? What's going to happen to their husband? What's going to happen to their kids? What's going to happen to their marriage? And a lot of the fears are around marriage and kids. Yeah, I think a lot of women have fears constantly. And I think it's easy to get caught up in that because, yeah, we have a lot of people in our life that we are looking after. And and so if we're not trusting the Lord to guide us in that process of, you know, being a good wife, being a good mom, being a good friend, you know, ministering to others, if we're taking that on and all that responsibility of how to do that, then we'll live in constant fear. That's where we need to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us in that. I think for men, a lot of it is around safety. Is my wife safe? Are mm-hmm. my kids safe? And also provision, finances. finances. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I generate enough revenue to care for this family and to maintain this lifestyle? And so there are generalized fears, but then sometimes there's more husband and wife specific fears. Mm-hmm. So the wife is like, hey, I'm worried that our kids are not getting the first and best of your energy and attention. Why don't you come home? I'm afraid you're not going to have a relationship with the kids. Husband's like, I'm at work because I need to generate money because I'm mm-hmm. scared that we're not going to make ends meet. Yeah. And so the fears sometimes collide. Yeah, another thing fear does is it robs us. Um, Jesus came to bless us and give us freedom and be loved and secure in him. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, And so when we live in fear, like you said, it's demonic. And so we will, our life will be all about things that are taken from us and ways that are to destroy our life instead of to bless our life. Could take your health. Yep. Could take your sleep. Yeah. Could take your relationships. Could take your joy. Could yeah. take your energy. Yeah. I mean, fear wants to literally just empty all of your accounts and just leave you as a broken person. Yeah. And within that, um, one of the things I like to say is that uh, fear turns us into false prophets. Mm, yeah. Because what fear is, fear ultimately is really godless. It's looking into the future and it's it's negating the possibility of God being involved. And A false prophet in the Bible is someone who predicts a future that doesn't happen. And the truth is, the worst false prophets in our life... Are ourselves. It's ourselves. Mm -hmm. We predict and prophesy things that don't happen. 
And it's because we're motivated by fear. So back to our story, what were some of the things that, and you could be honest, I'll share mine too, maybe more from the wife's perspective, we made the biggest transition, pivot, riskiest move of our whole life. What were some of the things that caused you, uh, that you really thought may happen in the catastrophic or worst case sense? Like this is probably gonna happen or the possibility is high that this kind of apocalyptic, horrible outcome is going to happen. Um, again, I mean, my biggest fears were around our marriage and our kids and relationships that we held dear um, where we were leaving. Most important thing for me is that our kids love Jesus and want to be in church. They don't have to be in ministry, but to be in a church walking with Jesus. So your pastor's daughter, <laughs> right? People ask me all the time, like, Mark, how can we preach so much? Because Grace is going to go to church whether or not I do. <laughs> That's right. So if I want to see my wife, I got to go to church because on Sunday, she's going to be there for all the I services. Love <laughs> yeah. You love God's people. You yeah. love God's house. And that that's what brings me joy. And I want that for our kids. I want their eternity to be secure. I want them to have a just a flourishing relationship with the Lord. And I'm not going to make that happen, obviously. I want that for them. I'm going to encourage that. And I'm going to do my best to be an example of that. Um, and so for me, one of my fears was, wow, is this really going to wreck their relationship with the Lord? Are they going to hate church? Are they going to, you know, be bitter against God? Are they, mm-hmm. I mean, the confusion that came with what we went through, I would understand why they would go that direction, you know, in their um in their minds. And so I, that was a huge fear for me. And, and yeah, just us being able to walk in unity in the big decisions, because we often, you know, have a different vantage point when we go to make decisions. And so I thought, wow, Lord, you're really going to have to do a work to help us to see eye to eye on this one. And so we moved to Arizona. Mm-hmm. We're in Scottsdale with five kids. And at first, some of the fears look like Reality. <laughs> they might be happening. So trying to get the kids into school. Yeah, it was insane. All the schools were full, waitlisted, didn't seem like there was a plan going forward. Um, super fearful that I would have to homeschool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm not built for that. <laughs> I really have a lot of respect for homeschool moms, but I am not built for that. So that was a fear. <laughs> Well, and we couldn't get the kids into school and we'd sit there. I remember sitting in the library with one of our sons. Um, He had a great school. They all had great school, great friends, great, great, great school environment. And here we are, can't get them into school. We moved too late uh, because school got out up north, different time. I'll never forget applying, apply, I mean, you were doing the applications and- Oh, applied for seven different schools for four kids. <laughs> I didn't get into them. No. And then there was a wait list. I was sitting there with the one kid in the library all day, hoping that enough kids didn't show up that my kid could get in and he didn't. Mm-hmm. I remember it took everything in me when we got in the car, not to just start bawling in front yeah. of my son. Cause I felt yeah. like, man, I failed my kids. Mm. I, I failed my kids. I, you know, we're in the middle of chaos and all these hard decisions. And my fear was like, I'm going to fail my kids. I'm going to fail my family. Mm. And it felt like that was happening. Yeah. And then fast forward, in the middle of it, people quote verses like, well, more than conquerors. I just want to punch <laughs> them right in the head. There, there are good verses at bad times. You got right. you know, read me lamentations, you know, comfort <laughs> me right now. Don't just give me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't get my kid into school. So, you know, just take your verse and, you know, whatever. Yeah, it so, was challenging. <laughs> but then fast forward, 
it put our kids and our marriage and our family in the best place through very hard, painful trial that is like weight on a bar at a gym and made us all stronger. Mm-hmm. And so the worst thing that we feared would happen ended up being the best thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And so our marriage, you can disagree with me, not on the podcast, but afterward, <laughs> I think we're better. Yeah, for sure. Our kids all love Jesus. Our kids came home and said, hey, we want to plant a church as a family ministry. Mm. Are you kidding me? Um, our whole life was like a snow globe that got shook and went upside down because of a church mm-hmm. and a ministry. Mm-hmm. And now you want to love and serve Jesus. So they named the church. They did the demo. I mean, this week as we're recording the podcast, our kids are on property serving and loving Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they love their church and they love their church family. It's amazing. God's plan worked. God's plan totally worked. <laughs> And what happens is we tend to see God's will in the rearview mirror, but not in the windshield. Mm. You look back and go, oh, that, what an amazing plan. In the middle, you're just like, in the middle, (laughs) you're like, I am in the utter dark with a fog Mm -hmm. driving 60 miles an hour around blind corners. Mm -hmm. And that's faith. In the windshield, there's a lot of fear. But as you look back in the rearview mirror, there's a lot of faith. Oh, God does this. And so, you know, for us in the middle of it all, there were times that I was definitely the false prophet. I was predicting an apocalyptic future that was going to doom us all that quite frankly never came to pass. And what I learned the hard way uh, is that sometimes fear do more damage to you than the thing that you fear. The sleepless nights, the high blood pressure, the the mental racing, uh, the, um, the emotional unhealth, the anxiety, the depression, uh, the the physiological exhaustion is the result of fearing something that probably isn't going to happen. And even if it does, probably isn't going to harm you as much as the fear does. Yeah, fear is a liar because Satan is the father of lies. And so for those that are really struggling with fear, decisions they make, and and let me say this in closing, Christian legalism comes from the spirit of fear. If you're afraid that something is going to happen to someone or something you love, you make a lot of rules to protect it. Mm -hmm. And so the most legalistic people, the most religious people, tend to be the most fear-based people, and their fears reveal their loves. It's because they love their spouse or they love their kids. So the love is good, but they're not living in the spirit of love. They're allowing the love to be used by the spirit of fear. Yeah. So for those of you that are couples and you've got decisions to make or you're disagreeing or maybe your fears are colliding, anything you would say in conclusion, sweetheart, where they, they've got decisions to make as a couple. And right now, let's just be honest with the state of the world and where things are at. Um, everything is kind of a snow globe that got shook and we've all got some decisions to make. Anything that you would encourage practically to get rid of the spirit of fear, to replace it with the spirit of God so that we can live in faith. Well, be in the Word for sure and look up fear um, and faith verses because God's promises are true, and we've seen that over and over and over. And I think we need to know that our fears aren't just our fears. They affect our marriage and our family. And we need to desire to create a home environment of faith. And in order to do that, we have to remove fear from that environment. And so we need to pray through, Lord, what are my fears and how do I flee from those and live in faith? And that's that's the best way to have that environment around us that is full of faith instead of fear. And I tell you as a married couple, you've got to do this together. Together, You've got to do this together. 
um, the spirit of fear is going to seek to divide you and the spirit of God will unite you mm -hmm. so that you can march together into the future that only God sees. And faith says one way or another, it's going to be good because God is good. Mm 